So today we will continue on in our study through the book of Romans. And you can open your Bibles up now to Romans chapter 8. And as we look at verse 1, right off the bat here of Romans chapter 8, we'll notice that it starts with the words, There is therefore. Now, of course, this would indicate something to us. uh, And that is that what is about to be said here is the continuation of something that is already being spoken of uh, in chapter 7. So again, for us, to stay, in order for us to stay within the, the context of this letter here this morning, uh, I'd like for us to go ahead and look back now in Romans chapter 7, and uh, we'll read our way right on into chapter 8. But we'll start back in Romans chapter 7, verse 14, where it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, we discussed all of those verses quite at length the last time we were together, uh, and the teaching is available online on our website at aloveoutreach.com or on uh, soundcloud.com backslash aloveoutreach if you want to listen to that teaching. But I wanted to kind of set the tone here going on into chapter 8, where verse 1 now says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, it's important that we stop here and recognize what the Word of God is saying here in verse 1. Remember, Now, what it says in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 17, where it says that God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So, in that sense, we understand that God was not sending His only begotten Son into the world to condemn people. To the contrary, 
God was displaying his love for the people of the world by sending Jesus to be what the Bible calls a propitiation for our sin. In other words, Jesus was a substitute for us. He stood in our place, the place where we were to be condemned for our sin, and he became sin for us. And by the blood of Jesus, because he shed his blood, his innocent blood, we have been set free from sin. But as we studied the scriptures in weeks past, we've seen that a person must come to a place in their heart where they recognize that they are a sinner. And they must then repent and become what Jesus called in John chapter 3, born again. Jesus said that we must be born of the Spirit. And by being born of the Spirit, it's the only way that a person will see and come to know the kingdom of God. And the Bible teaches that when a person is born again, they no longer walk through this life being led by their flesh or their carnal mind, but rather they are then led by the Spirit of God. That's how a person lives their lives when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. They live by being led by the Spirit of God. So verse 1 here again shows us that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that's the key. It'd be nice just to stop right there or to change that verse a little bit and say, there is no condemnation to those who simply just believe in Jesus. There's, and just stop the verse there, right? But it doesn't say that. It says, it, it adds something to that. It says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So that's how a born-again person is to walk, being led by the Spirit. For the law, verse 2 says, For the law of, spirit, of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So remember Paul was just saying that he's got this struggle going on and he's just admitting something that all of us have. We got this struggle going on between sin and it, and it wants to rule our members. In other words, it wants to direct our lives, what we do and how we live and all that. That sin wants to rule that. But he says here at the beginning, in verse 2, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So there's that life, that abundant life, that born again life in Christ Jesus that comes into us and it makes us free from the law of sin and death. We no longer have to be slaves to sin. Being led by the Spirit means we no longer have to choose to sin and walk in the ways of the world around us, right? We make a choice to now walk being led by the Spirit and allowing the Spirit of God to, to guide us through this life. And it says in verse 3, for what the law could not do and it was in that it was weak through the flesh. We talked extensively about that last time, how the law was good. The law of God was good, but we were weak in the flesh. We couldn't keep the law. And we still have that weakness in and of our flesh. We can't always do what's right, okay? 
but the Spirit of God can lead us in doing that. He says, for what the law could not do in, in, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. So God became flesh, His only begotten Son on this earth. Walk this earth just like we, just like we do. He was tempted in all ways, the Bible says, just like we are. But he remained without sin. So in that sense, he conquered sin. He was victorious over sin. Where none of us in this room have ever been victorious over sin, he was victorious over sin. And he conquered sin. And as an innocent man, they crucified him. But he was hanging on that cross and bleeding for us and dying for us to wash away our sin, to cover us. So now we just turn to Jesus. We turn our eyes upon Jesus and we look unto Him as the author and the finisher of our faith and we trust in Him and we obey His words and we do what He says in His word and we are then being led by the Spirit and sin doesn't rule and reign in our lives, right? Verse 4. It says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there again, we see the the same prerequisite, don't we? And that is that what is being spoken here is being spoken to those who do not walk according to the flesh, like it says there, but according to the Spirit. Those that walk according to the Spirit will fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. In other words, the Spirit of God will not lead us into sin. The Spirit of God will not lead us to do what is wrong, right? The Spirit of God will lead us into righteousness. So when we walk led by the Spirit, we're going to walk in that way, right? We'll, want to, we'll do what's right because we're being led by the Spirit, we're obeying the Spirit of the Lord, that life within us that He has given us, that abundant life that by His Spirit indwells us, okay? And again, we've, we've spent some time in, in weeks past talking about the differences between that person that walks according to the flesh and those that walk according to the Spirit. So I'm not going to go over all that again, but verse 5 continues, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So I guess we could ask ourselves, what's our mind set on? The things of the flesh, carnal things? Is that that what consumes our minds a good portion of the time or most of the time? Earthly things? Or are we thinking about spiritual things, the things that God wants us to to do, the way God wants us to live? And we can't say we don't know how He wants us to live because it's in the pages of Scripture. Jesus spoke as many words and read in the pages of your Bible that can tell you how Jesus wants us to live, right? And then verse 6 there says, To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, so God, God's word here makes another clear distinction for us, doesn't it? 
There is a choice, and the choice is to be carnally minded or to be spiritually minded. The one leads to death, and the other to life and peace. Now, as you study through the Scriptures, you'll see that if you stay within the context of what is written in the Scriptures, that God deals with us, and what He cares most about is who we are on the inside, right? God, that's what God is concerned with about us. Because who we are on the inside will be displayed eventually on the outside. Okay? Now, for an example of this, let's go ahead and mark this page and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Okay, it's back to the left in your Bibles from where we are now in Romans. We're looking for John, chapter 6. It's between the book of Luke and the book of Acts. John, chapter 6, and... I'm going, to have, I'm going to actually read, have us read together here through a lot of verses. But we're going to look down and start in verse 47 of John chapter 6. So John chapter 6, verse 47. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus speaking here, right? He who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now, you remember when we studied the book of Exodus and the manna came down and their forefathers ate that manna as they were in the wilderness, right? Jesus says in verse 50, This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He's talking about himself here now, right? I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of this world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? See, that was ludicrous to them, okay? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? <clears throat> what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
So Jesus there in verse 62 basically says, hey, I'm leaving someday, guys. You're not going to be eating my flesh. What I'm speaking about to you right now is something spiritual. And he says in verse 63, as it continues there, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Right. So that's what we have to understand as we read the word of God. Even as you hear me pray before we start, I pray that the spirit of God will work his word within us, that that it would change us from the inside, that his word will have its work within us, because it's the the word of God is is living and powerful. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter four. Verse 12, I'll I'll read it to you here. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. Okay, so this Bible that you hold, even when you read it on your phone apps, it's the word of God, right? It's the word of God and it's living and it's powerful. And it says in Hebrews 4.12, it continues and says, and is sharper than any two-edged sword, even piercing to the division of soul and soul and spirit. So think this is the kind of work that the word of God does within you. It cuts deep within to your soul, your spirit, and through through joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and of the intents of your heart. The the Bible, the word of God does that. It goes within you. And it, 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 it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. It says, no, you're thinking this, and you shouldn't be thinking that. You should be thinking this. It's discerning your thoughts, right? And your intents and, and, and your will, right? Because all of us have a will. We all set our ways. And you'll even hear people talk about that. He's so set in his ways. She's so set in their ways, But no one's too set in their ways for the word of God, right? The word of God can can break that. The word of God can change that. You know, I often have people tell me about someone they know, their loved one or whatever. Oh, you'll, you'll never get through to them. You'll never get through to them. I know I can't get through to them, but I know that the word of God can get through to them. And I know that there's always hope. And the Word of God can change a person. So the reason that we study the Word of God like we do here is so that we may know that life of the Spirit of God, the the life that God wants us to have, right? They took Jesus literally back there in John chapter 6. And because of that, many people walked away from Jesus that day because of what he said. And they no longer were followers of him because they misunderstood the internal intent of the word of God. And many people misunderstand what a relationship with God is today. They simply look at other religious people or other church going people and they say, Well, look the way she is. Look at the way he is. I don't want to be like that. They're a hypocrite. I don't want anything to do with that, right? But it's not about that. It's about the power of the word of what the word of God can do. I don't want people to see me. I want people to see the word of God in me. But I also allow people to see the me that I really am. And I don't try and 
pretend I'm something that I'm not, right? I just let them know it's not me, it's Christ in me. Christ in us is, is the hope of glory. So today, many religions have misunderstood the Word of God in one way, shape, or form, and that's been a cause for many people to walk away from the truth of God. You see, I can sit here and teach the Word of God to you and point you to it, and that's all I simply try to do is to point you to it, because it's the Holy Spirit that will reveal the truth within you, and it's the Holy Spirit that will do the work of God within your heart or not. There's nothing I can do about that, right? The Holy Spirit is quite capable through the living Word of God to show you things you need to know about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's why I choose to teach the Word of God in this way, allowing you to follow along and see it for yourself. So the Word of God is living. And it works within us on a spiritual level. So as we look here, Romans chapter 8. I can't remember, did I have you turn off of that? Are we still there? Romans chapter 8. Um, the Apostle Paul is talking about in verse 6 the difference between spiritually minded as opposed to being carnally minded. And you and I today know that being spiritually minded is having our minds set on the things of God. Stop being set in our own ways. Stop being fixed in our own ways. Die to ourselves and fix our eyes on God and say, what does God want from me? How does he want me to live? Right. Verse seven says, because the carnal mind is enmity with God. For it is not subject to the law of God. So when people get their minds set on their own ways, in their own carnal ways, whatever it may be, and people have so many excuses, all of us do, right? So many things that we're set in. Well, this is my heritage. This is the way my ancestors do it. This is the way my people do it. You know, this is the way we are. Well, you can't do that. What does the word of God say? We drop our culture. We drop everything for the word of God. We drop our lives, right? It says that the, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So in other words here, a person that thinks that they can live a righteous life in the flesh by just their good outweighing their bad or they're keeping whatever laws in their own minds they have or a religious law, whatever it might be, the law of their church, they're fooling themselves because our carnal minds cannot be subject to the law of God. We can't do things our way and expect to be pleasing to God. It's God's way only. That's why we have the word of God so that we know what he wants us to do and how to live, right? Look back real uh, quick again at the end of chapter 7 of Romans. Paul in verse 24 and 25 concluded that he was a wretched man. And his only hope was deliverance through Jesus Christ. That was his only deliverance. He knew that. He concluded he was a wretched man. You know? So those who try to walk in the power of their own flesh when it comes to being righteous cannot please God. Verse 9 goes on, back in chapter 8, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God indwells you. 
Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, you see, how, how is Christ in us today? Christ is in us today by his Spirit, right? So if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to Christ, is what Paul's just simply stating here. But he says, and if Christ is in you, though, the body is dead because of sin. That's why you always hear me talk about we die to ourselves. I'm dead to myself, right? But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness, right? So Christ is our only hope. And again, with Christ in us, we have died to the flesh-led life. We're no longer to live like that anymore. As a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, we are now to have been made alive spiritually. Don't keep walking around like all other spiritually dead people around you and don't latch on to their ways. Don't do what they do. Don't follow in their ways. You are a follower of the Word of God. You have been born again into the kingdom of God. Therefore, you now live in a manner like you've been born again into the kingdom of God. Right? And even, the, even our own carnal mind, which wakes up and tells us things all day long, right? tries to rule our, our lives all day long, we fight the fight against the carnal mind. We live to be spiritually minded and we get ourselves in line with what the Word of God says and we live it out. Verse 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, now hold on right there for a second, who raised up Jesus from the dead, right? God the Father. So verse 11 continues, right? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So you see, the Spirit-led life that those who have been born again should be living, right? We, we see what it's like here. Why is it, you know, for example, today that like divorce, the divorce rates are as high amongst professing Christians as it is amongst non-Christians, Right? Why is it that pastors and church leaders are, are falling left and right in our society? Why are Christians known as hypocrites in many cases today? It's because they are nothing more than religious people being led by their flesh and giving in to the lust of their flesh and the lust of their eyes. And many churches do not even have their congregants come and open a Bible in church, When the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, like I quoted earlier, people don't even read it. Mankind would rather have a religion that keeps the pressure, the pressure off of them living a righteous life. Because they can just say, well, I go to this church. This is my pastor or whatever, right? But if people would simply open their Bibles and read the Word of God, they would see that God extends 
grace and mercy to them through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone, right? Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, that word Abba there is an Aramaic word for Papa. Okay, it'd be like a term of endearment, like Daddy, right? And by the Spirit of God, when a, when a person uh, repents of being led by their own flesh and they turn to the Lord Jesus and are born again, they are then adopted by God the Father as His child. And we can then call out to Him as Papa without any fear at all because our sins have all been washed away because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We can come boldly to his throne of grace and find help. But we must be willing to do so. We must be willing to seek God and to die to ourselves and and not just desire to live in the way we want to live. You see, not everybody in this world is a child of God, as people like to think. Sure, we're all created in the image of God, right? But liberal-minded people like to think, well, we're all just children of God, right? But like I said, we're all created in the image of God, and we, should, we, all should, we all should love people as such as everyone's created in the image of God. But the truth of the matter is, in order for a person to be a true child of God, you must be born of the Spirit of God, like it says here. Okay, These are the sons of God. These are the children of God, the ones that are born of the Spirit, not the ones that join a church, not the ones that say they're of a religion of a cert, or of a certain group or whatever, right? It's the person that is born of the Spirit that is the child of God. And what happens within that person that is born again? Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bear, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You see how this is pointing us to be heavenly minded and not earthly minded. There's things we go through here. There's things we suffer here. We watch loved ones die. We watch people get sick and and we see all kinds of tragedy in this earth. Right? But as spiritually minded people, we're not looking to this present earth. We know it's not going to remain. Everything that we see will be all burned up and dissolved someday. We're looking for our heavenly home, right? But a lot of people like to skip over this suffering part. But Jesus promised that in this world we will have tribulation, right? And, and one reason we can have tribulation in this world is if we're standing for righteousness. Because when you stand for righteousness and truth, but yet all the crowd and everybody's moving in a certain direction and it's all on the media, oh, look what these people are doing and all of this, is, it's all going that way, right? And, and you think, well, what side am I going to jump on? Their side or their side? I'm not jumping on either side. I'm staying on the Word of God. I stand upon the Word of God, right? Like the children's song says. The B-I-B-L-E. I don't care what politics does. 
I don't care what movements happen. I don't care what anybody's doing. I'm standing upon the word of God and its truth, okay? And But what happens is, is when you do that, you stand contrary to the rest of the world around you and you'll suffer sometimes for the name of Christ. People especially don't want to hear that they're sinners and that they need to repent, you know? But here again, this is the case for every one of us. We all fall miserably short, okay? But as we mature as followers of Christ, we should be known as people that are led by the Spirit. Now, right now we're still in these earthly bodies as we go through this life. The Bible calls them bodies of death. And these bodies wear out, they get sick, and they'll eventually completely give out. And we will leave them behind. And the Apostle Paul will now, will now go on in his letter to talk about that fact, as well as talking about creation itself. He says in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself will also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. You see, the book of Genesis, when Adam fell, right, not only him and Eve were affected by their sin, by the curse, but all of creation was affected, right? Uh, if you go, if we were to look back in the Genesis, it talks about the woman, how God told the woman that she, he would greatly multiply um, her sorrow during her p- giving birth, right? In pain you shall bring forth children, God told the woman. Your, should, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. So creation was affected. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So that curse was upon creation all that time. There's weeds and thorns and thistles that grow all the way until mankind returns to the dirt of the dust of the ground again. And he told Adam, God told Adam, for out of the dust you will take in, for dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. So not only Adam and Eve again were affected by the fall, but all of creation was subject to it as well. You know, Isaiah chapter 55 speaks of a day when all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now, we know we don't look at trees as if having hands, but the point is, is that creation is going to rejoice someday again right now. Creation is subject to the fall right now. The day of the Lord will be such as eye has not seen and, and ear has not heard of. It'll, it'll be a day that we can't even imagine right now in these mortal bodies 
right? But by faith, we walk in these facts and we see it in the Word of God. Then back here in Romans chapter 8, verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. That's what faith is. You have to persevere. Because life every day doesn't show us things that are of the spiritual realm. It shows us the carnal things, the earthly things. But we have to persevere by faith. The book of James tells us that this life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it's gone. And the longer you live, the more you realize how short life really is. How fast time goes by. Verse 26, likewise, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the heart knows the, what the mind of the Spirit is, because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, the Spirit of God is working within us in ways that we cannot see and we cannot understand. And the Spirit of God is working on our behalf, making intercession for us. In the um, book of Hebrews chapter 7, I'm not going to have you turn there for the sake of time here. It speaks of Jesus. It says, but he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So those of us that have come to God, Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. To make intercession means to intercede on our behalf, right? To be on our side. And by His Spirit, He's working within us with groanings we can't comprehend or understand. The Spirit of God works within us. But we can choose to totally ignore the Spirit of God. We can choose, how do we totally ignore the Spirit of God? By being carnally minded. By thinking of earthly things and what's going on around us and in the world and being focused on these things. Okay, rather than focused on spiritual things. Verse 28 of Romans and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. How do we know this? We know this by faith, not by sight. If we, if we live to be carnally minded and we looked and we, we see a friend or a loved one around us dying of cancer, dying of a sickness, dying of something, and we say, why? You know, this doesn't look right to me. This doesn't look right. I don't like this. But we walk by faith and not by sight. We know that this is not our home, that these bodies give out, that we're going to be in, in eternity with God. So in that case, when we look at it in that way, we say that it all works together for good. In God, we can truly say it's all good. It's all good. 
We've got to press on in Him. We've got to persevere in the faith, keeping our eyes fixed on Him. Verse 29 says, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you see, this speaks of Jesus, the only begotten Son. The rest of us have been adopted when we place our faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, right? John 3, 2 says, or 1 John 3, 2 it is, says, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Verse 30 here continues, Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You see, no matter what we face in this life, no matter what heartache, no matter what tragic times, no matter what good times, right? In all things and in everything, God has a plan for those that love Him. God has a plan for those that fix their eyes on Him. And the ultimate plan is good. Verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Notice how powerful that verse is. In other words, if God went to such great lengths to redeem and to save us, why would we not completely trust in Him? Right? To take us through this temporary life. He went to such great lengths to redeem and to save us. He just wants us to completely trust in Him. Verse 33, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And we can fill in the blanks here on a lot of other things in our world, right? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, that's the hope that we as followers of Jesus Christ have. This world may hate you for following in its ways, may despise you. The system of this world may work against you. Life will not come easy to you. This world hated Jesus and crucified Him. He was a man of love and compassion, right? Because he was not the, But He was not the Messiah that they wanted Him to be. They wanted a political king. Someone that would look upon their physical needs and give them all their fleshly desires. And people in the world are like that today. They want politics to change their world. 
They want a better world around them through politics and attention. So there's movements and activists and all kinds of people out there doing all kinds of things when all the world needs to do is turn to Jesus Christ and be changed from the inside out and change their hearts. And they'll begin to be spiritually minded people and not carnally minded people trying to get what they want or get what they think they deserve. That's not what the child of God does. The child of God does not seek his own. The child of God is not all about themselves. The child of God is about what the Spirit of God wants them to do and how the Spirit of God wants them to live. And we must keep that in mind as we see the world going mad around us more and more every day, right? As we see these things happen and as we see that which is evil being called good and that which is good being called evil, what do you stand upon? Do you have the Spirit of God indwelling in you? Yes, you do. You've come to Christ. You've placed your faith in Him. So if you do, then do you walk by the Spirit? Or do you walk by your carnal mind, right? We know this, that if we stay in the course, if we walk by faith and not by sight, and we press on and we persevere, we know, like Paul says there, if God is for us, Who can be against us? And the obvious answer is no one, nothing, because we're standing upon what is right. We're standing upon what is true. And what is right and true is found in the pages of your Bible. And I encourage you again this morning, continue to read the word of God. Seek God with all your heart. Spend time in prayer. Get alone with God. Seek him. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of him. Die to your ways, the, the ways that, that, that you're set upon, maybe the thoughts that you've had, the, the views that you've taken on at some point in your life. Die to these things and, and be made alive spiritually. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, like the scripture says. For to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace like we've seen here today. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Oh, God, let your word have its way within our hearts. God, I pray that we will walk out of these doors here today different than we walked in, God, trusting you more, seeking you more, passionate about loving you more and serving you in your kingdom and not being of this world, Lord, but being of your word, God. Have your way. Your will to be done in all things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.